welcome back to the Law of Attraction Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Keith. And if you are a member of the Inner Tribe Manifesting Membership inside the Manifest It Now app, you know that we have expert speakers that come in and teach us on various subjects. And one of those expert speakers is Megan Dwyer, host of the Money Isn't Scary podcast and Money Mindset Coach. And today she's going to give us a lot of amazing tips around money mindset. So let's go ahead and dive into the interview with Megan Dwyer. All right, everyone. I have an amazing guest today, Megan Dwyer, who is the host of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. And she's also a financial planner, money mindset coach, and mom. So I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you for doing this interview. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. I'm psyched to be here. Yeah. So money is a topic that comes up all the time in my inner tribe. Um, It's something I think everyone you know, strives to manifest more wealth in in their life because that's how our society runs. Right. And I was so happy to come across you because, you know, it's like, there's Dave Ramsey out there. There's Susie Orman, there's mostly men. And a lot of them, I don't necessarily relate to for me, it's kind of hard to listen to them. So when I found you and your podcast, I think that you really get into things in a way that is relatable. That's easy to understand. And I feel like I'm like, you're speaking directly to me. Um, so I just wanted to kind of dive into all of that. I know you're a financial planner, but we chatted a little bit before we started that, um, it goes into a lot of the money mindset. So why don't you start out and just give us like a little bit of background about kind of where you're at in this path, like how you got to, from being a financial planner into the mindset coaching part of it. And just give us a little background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I always said that, um, if I could go back, so if I could go back and do life all over again, I would love to be a therapist and, uh, study psychology. And so my background, uh, my whole career has been in, um, financial planning and, um, and just in the financial industry, financial, um, advisory world, and which is extremely male dominated and has been, um, a little bit of a challenge for somebody with the, with, like myself, um, you know, as a mom raising young kids, um, I'm a highly sensitive person. So I have my moments in this industry, but I also feel like there is, um, that deeper kind of connection to the emotional side that's missing. And I've seen this a lot in my experience with clients, right? So um, I've can, the, the work that I do is a lot of, it's, it's numbers based, right? It's a lot of black and white and it's a lot of um, like analyzing client data. It's a lot of projecting forward for people and we can, sit down with a client face-to-face and explain to them that their financial plan is strong and healthy and they're in real, in a really good shape to be able to make certain decisions and do whatever they want in their life. Honestly, they have, because they've worked really hard and they have a lot of flexibility. This is just one example. The client, I've noticed that in some situations, the, the client looks at me with this kind of blank stare on their face and either says one of two things. Um, I don't know what that is, right? When we give them all this like 
this, these options of, uh, you have a lot of flexibility. You can do what you want. Some people say, I don't know what I want. Right. And so that's something that I find really, really interesting. Yeah. And then there's also the, Oh wait, the, there's the, there's the rebuttal. It's the, I can't do that. What do you mean? You're telling me that it, because they come from a place of scarcity and that's something that I've been so intrigued by, right? Tell if that you can tell somebody, tell they're blue in the face that they're going to be okay. And if they just don't believe it, that's on them. That's not on us. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that was kind of one of the, the um, catalysts for me to start the podcast. Um, what I really wanted to do was talk to women. I wanted to, I started the podcast during the pandemic, essentially because I needed a, I needed an outlet for connection. I needed a creative outlet for myself. And I was also struggling with my own money issues and I needed support and I needed just, just some, some way to kind of get out how I was feeling and also be able to potentially help and share that with other people as well. Because I knew that if I was feeling this way, other people probably are feeling this way too. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what I wanted to do was really with the podcast was really find that intersection between the, the financial part of all of this and, and the emotional and psychological part, um, specifically for myself, really for women and to be able to, to, to marry those two things and kind of think a little bit more about why we do what we do, why we think the way that we do. And, um, and so I, I, I love it. I absolutely love what I do because I'll be, I'll be thinking of something in my head or right. Or, you know, say I get an unexpected bill in the mail and all of a sudden these, this like roller coaster of emotions comes up. I know that I can't be alone in that. So that's something that I'll talk about. I'll say, okay, what's actually going on here? And it, I, I can help coach myself out of, um, out of the overwhelm and into more of a, of a calm state. And it's a work in progress, believe me. I'm right there with everybody else who's struggling with it. So, um, but I love it. And I love being able to, to help and support other women and empower them to, to um, stop staying small because I feel like, women in our culture tend to, um, and, and I'm being very general here, but tend to take a backseat when it comes to finances, because there's some underlying fear or anxiety around it. Um, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I don't deal with that. I don't, I don't even think about money or I let my husband handle it. Or, you know, like my, my dad always handled my finances my whole life. And what frustrates me a little bit about that is that anything can happen, right? Like something could happen to your husband. Um, you could end up getting divorced. Um, any, any, you could, you could be in any kind of situation where you would end up having to all of a sudden take over the responsibility of, of thinking about and managing the family finances. And unless you have, um, a solid foundation of a knowledge of what you have going going on in the family unit, and b just confidence and um, and healthy relationship with money, then it's going to be a struggle. And so that's really the um, where I come from, the angle of empowerment and helping women to kind of step into their own um, their own confidence and their own feelings of um, strength when it comes to um, thinking about managing and just in general relating to money. 
I, I love that. And I'm so big on that too. Like for the longest time, I was afraid to talk about money because, <laughs> you know, you get people that will say things like, well, that's greedy. You know, you should be trying to manifest things that are more meaningful. But the truth of the matter is our society runs on money. I mean, money is a resource mm -hmm. that can give us a lot of things. I mean, if you're running a business, for example, you know, you can hire um, people to help you with things and that's buying you more time. You know, you want to go and buy um, healthy food for your family, all organic, that costs more money. Like money can help us uh level up our lives in a lot of different ways. And I think that people need to just accept that and stop, like, first of all, just resisting the idea of even, you know, being greedy because you want more for yourself and your family. And I, I feel like that is kind of like more of a female thing. Um, mm -hmm. I worked in, in the corporate, you know, sales for 12 years. And I noticed that huge difference when I was a manager that, um, a lot of the men that we interviewed and hired had absolutely no problem negotiating. They always negotiated for like a higher salary, for example. And women, you never saw that. Like whatever we offered, they would just like graciously accept it. And, you know, I think it goes back to like it wasn't that long ago that women like really even couldn't manage their own oh, money. I know. I know. You know? You like, it was, I, I think it was the mid to late seventies when women couldn't even have a bank account on their own. They had to have yeah. a joint account or be a co have a co-signer with them. It's right. Well, I feel so fortunate because, uh, my grandma is very, like, she's very into her investing and she pays attention to everything. She watches the markets and she gave me so many little tips all throughout my life. But one of the stories I remember her telling me, and this was right around the time um, that I was going to get married. She said, make sure you have your own credit card. Because when I got a, when she got divorced in, I think it was the late sixties, early seventies, she couldn't even get a credit card. She had no credit in her name. And she said, I couldn't even buy a couch for my new place because there was nothing in my name. I had built no credit for myself. And, you know, that was the reality for our parents, our grandparents. And so we're very, we're like the new generation that's kind of just been thrown into this world where luckily women can have absolute control over their money, but we need that advice and that empowerment because um, a lot of times we haven't had that example growing up. So you're exactly right. I mean, I, I think so much of the reason that we tend to naturally avoid is culture. It's, it's this, and it's also what we have learned just the, the learned behavior in our house. Right. And our parents weren't that far off from that generation, right. They, they were, women were not able to buy a house on their own. They, like you just said, weren't able to get a credit card on their own. So it makes sense to me why they have the stories that they had, which they passed on to us. And now it's our job because we do have all this freedom and liberties, right. That they never had. So it's our job now to, to dissect those stories because those are, those stories are keeping us from being able to, to, to accomplish really great things mm -hmm. with our money. Um, and you had mentioned it just to add to something you had just mentioned, you know, I believe that money is, money is a great thing. Money is, it's intended to support you in doing what you want to do and, and having what you 
want out of life. I think where people go wrong is not knowing what they want Mm -hmm. and not having any intention behind behind how how they're spending their money and what they're doing with their money. And that's where you can get into some trouble. Um, And so, you know, I just wanted to add that. Well, and you had mentioned earlier how some people will sit down in front of you and they don't even know what they want when you ask them that question. And I Mm -hmm. have found that too with manifestation, you know, it's like, well, what, what do you want to manifest in life? And a lot of people aren't very clear on it because, you know, our society, we are just running on autopilot or running on Mm -hmm. our routine. And we don't a lot of times get really intentional and take the time to figure out what we want. And I'll hear a lot of people like, well, I just wish I could quit my day job. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And I I'll say, well, have you thought about how much money you would need to do that? You know, like maybe it is possible. Have you calculated like what you would need every month to be able to quit your day job? Like what you would need to bring in, in a business and no, like we're, because we're not looking at it. We're kind of like, it gives us that, you know, kind of like sick feeling to even look at our money and dive into it. And I know that was the case with me. Like I, when I was in my corporate job, just took out whatever they told me to take out for my 401k, never looked at it. And I had a coworker who um, had a degree, he had a master's in finance. And he was talking to me one day about like what my investments were in. And I was looking at him and getting like really nervous. Like I have no freaking clue. And he was like, all right, we're stopping what we're doing right now. Get out your computer and we're going to go and like, look at this. And in like 30 minutes, I learned more than I had ever learned in my entire life about money. And it made me kind of, that was like a big moment for me because I realized like no one else is coming to save me and take care of me. Like I can't rely on my dad. I can't rely on you know, anyone else to manage my finances, I need to be aware of what I'm doing and have like a good plan in place. So that kind of helped me break through a lot of barriers because I had a big block on manifesting money because in the back of my mind, I thought I can't manifest a lot of money because I don't know how to manage it. I'm not good with money. And I think that's a block that a lot of women have. That's a story. I actually have a whole podcast episode on, on uh, the story that we tell ourselves that we're bad at money mm-hmm. and um, in really diving in and dissecting that. Right. And one of the things that I, a very um, common overarching theme that I talk about in my podcast episodes is you just touched on it. Um, edu- uh, intention. Absolutely. That it all comes down to intention and education. And I think that a lot of women think that it has to be more complicated than it is. A lot of people think, okay, well, I'm not a financial planner. I'm not in the industry. So there's so much to know that it overwhelms me. But it's what's important is just knowing the very basics. I mean, some, sometimes we don't even look at like our credit card statements or our bank statements. So we don't even have an idea, a basic idea of what's coming in and what's going out. We don't want, we don't really like take the time to look at, you know, statements for our 401ks and our whatever um, accounts that we have. A lot of times we don't even know what we have. So if you take, so I kind of, the way I educate people on this is take a very high level view of this, kind of take that 10,000 foot, you know, view, step back, think about it in very neutral terms, because 
you can cut, you, you sort of need to take the emotion out of it. These are emotional. Money is emotional, no matter what, right? And so if we can take a step back and say, look at big picture, what is it that I have? Get an idea of kind of, these are my cash accounts. These are my, what, what my, um, my, my retirement accounts are. These might be some underlying, like, you know, maybe I have a stock certificate here or there. Maybe I, I have a CD that somebody gave me or a, a savings bond or whatever it is. If you own a home, that's an asset. Um, look at the liability side. Do you have any outstanding loans? Do you have a mortgage? Do you, what's, what are your current, what's your credit, current credit card debt situation? Even just taking a very neutral stance and understanding what it is that you have is so empowering. And that's on the net worth side. And same thing on the cash flow side, looking at what's coming in and what's going out. If you just have a basic understanding of that, it's incredibly powerful. And I think so many women think it needs to be way more complicated than that. And it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, interesting story with that, because I, that's totally me, what you're describing. Like I would get uh, credit card statements and I, you know, I, I pay it, but I wasn't diving into it and I wasn't looking at my income and being in the type of business I'm in, you know, I've got all these different sources of income, but for the longest time, it was like, I make a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there. So I always just thought like, Oh, it's not that much. And this year I really sat down to like get organized with this. And as I started adding it all up, I was already hitting the goal that I wanted to hit. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it because it was all over the place and it was so unorganized. And I wasn't like being conscious of the way I was saving it and spending it. And so that was like a huge epiphany for me. I'm like here, like I was hitting a goal I had set and didn't even realize it because I was too afraid to look at it. I just didn't want to bother with it. It seemed too, like too big of a task for me. So I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And, you know, I know we were talking a little bit before we um, got started here about like emotional, the emotional aspect of it, because I feel like there's a lot of women who spend emotionally and I always find that intriguing because I feel like I'm like the opposite where I hoard money. Like I'm afraid to spend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was just growing up with these beliefs that, you know, you have to save, you have to save every penny because what if something bad happens and you need that money so that you don't lose your house? So it's like, I have this very ingrained belief that like, if I don't save my money, I'm going to be like homeless someday or something. But then I see a lot of women that I know that will literally spend every penny they make. It's like, they, they have to like break it down until there's nothing left in the bank account every month. So what is, and that's where you get into credit card debt. (laughs) Right. Right. So like what, what does it just boil down to like childhood memories and beliefs around that, that then lead to that emotional spending or hoarding? And like, how do we break that, that barrier? Like, how do we get out of that cycle and change that emotion? So we're not, um, just like mindlessly spending or hoarding our money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a few things that come into play here. There's definitely the stories that we tell ourselves that were inherited from childhood, right? And and what's one thing that's important to decipher, if you can, is what that story is that you're telling yourself. Is it true? And where did it come from? Because it might not even be yours to begin with. You may have inherited that from a parent, 
a grandparent, a family member, right? That they had that story. And as a result, they just put that, just kept talking about it and ingraining it into you. And then you have it, even though that may not really be how you feel or what you think, right? So there's kind of dissecting that. There's also um, culture. Culture plays a massive, massive role in this. Um, And I think, especially on the spending side, there's, um, we're in a world now where, uh, I feel like keeping up with the Joneses is almost not even a good enough phrase to describe it with the the whole world of social media and comparing ourselves to other people now. Um, I used yeah, because now people. now we're keeping up with like the Kardashians and the we, we're keeping up with celebrities. With everybody, we're celebrities. Um, people from like our fifth grade class that <laughs> we don't even know anymore. I mean, right? It's 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 very crazy to me. And and um, yeah, and I talk a lot about the Kardashians, and I love. I just am so fascinated by the the lifestyle and everything there. But um, but it's. It, it, culture tells us that in order to be worthy, we have to have certain things. We have to um, accomplish certain things. And our definition of success is in our culture is essentially dollars and fame and accomplishments. And I think that that is something that really needs to be dissected. Do we agree with that? And are, and are we trying to get certain things and have certain things in our life because we want them or because we think that other people have them and we want, want, want what they have? Or we think that's what other people want of us, right? So there's a couple, there's, that's nuanced, but that's a couple of different mm-hmm. things there. Um, when it comes down to the concept of emotional spending, I believe that all spending is emotional. I think there's nothing inherently wrong with it. I think what what's important here, because right, like we're humans, and especially as women, right, we're complicated. We're extremely complex. We're always running with with different emotions, and I'm not. And emotions aren't just happy and sad. I mean, emotions are a lot of things. It's it's grief. It's um, you know stress, overwhelm, anxiety. There's there's it's joy. It's there's, there's little things, right? Excitement. There's so many emotions that can also be happening at once. And I think that as women, you know, our culture kind of taints the whole concept of emotions and and emotional beings. And I feel like we need to, instead of just like shoving that aside, like I will, I'm a, I'm a very sensitive, highly sensitive person. And I've kind of been told over my life, you know, Hey, you should get a thicker skin. Uh, Stop being so emotional. Stop, you know, being so sensitive to this stuff. And I realized that's a very, again, probably patriarchal response and, and very you know, black and white response to something that, that I think is something that needs to be embraced. I think mm-hmm. women need to embrace our emotions. But, but when it comes to you know, spending money in relation to our emotions, there needs to be kind of some like intention and boundaries around it, right? So I think, again, it, and I talk about this all the time, what, the, what it comes down to is taking the time to slow down, get out of autopilot and see, actually think about who we are and what our values are. Mm -hmm. What do we, what do we want to be spending our money on instead of 
you know, I was just working on a podcast episode and, and it was um, all around, you know, where is the, the concept of, you know, where, where does my money go? I get paid and money comes in and then it immediately goes out and I don't even know where it's going. Well, the idea is that maybe instead of, of, you know, asking yourself all the time, where does my money go? Maybe instead we should be telling ourselves where our money, sh- we should be telling our money where it should go. And that's all based off of intention, right? So what are your values? Are your values your family? Are they your kids? Are they, um, you know, prioritizing uh, certain certain activities? I'm a runner. I was just, I, you know, just an example. Um, I, you know, I, I wouldn't just go and buy shoes just for the hell of it. But if, or maybe I would, I don't know. It all depends on the day because I'm an emotional spender too. So there's nothing wrong with it. But I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about buying shoes and I'm buying like, you know, running shoes or something, then that's in alignment with who I am and my values and and what I want to be doing. But so I think it's really just the importance is of all of this is to be able to step outside of the emotions and the day-to-day grind and the, the autopilot and really put some intention behind who we are who we want to be and the feelings that we want to have. Because if we just spend just to spend, because we think we want something that somebody else has, we may not actually even really want that. Yeah. And so that's where we get stuck. I think a lot of times as women. Oh, that's so true. And I know, you know, for me being more of like the saver, and I think this is common for moms too, where you will spend money on everyone else, but yourself, you know? So like, for example, um, I would not get my hair done for like a year. Like I, like I would just go for like a year without getting my hair done, but then I would like take my daughter to get a brand new outfit that like she didn't need. Cause she's got like a hundred outfits or whatever. And I think that's very common, you know, for moms to just like not take care of themselves. And then I had two kids in two years and it was rough. Like it was a rough pregnancy. I was in, I had a lot of like back and neck pain and like just all kinds of stuff. And I thought, okay, I want to be able to go and get a massage once a week because I'm in so much pain. I need something. And that took a lot for me to like allow myself to spend money on something that I would normally say is too like frivolous. Like I don't, you know, and so I started looking at it, like instead of spending this amount of money every month, I started looking at it as how much money would I need to make to where I could go and get a massage every single week and I could get my hair done every six weeks and not even have to worry about it. So then I started like adding up some of those things that I really wanted to do for me, for like a gift to myself, for self-care, for some nurturing for myself. And I was, I thought even if I made an extra like couple hundred dollars a month, I could go and do all these things I want to do. Or I could hire someone to, you know, clean the house once a month or, you know, like some of these things. And it doesn't end up being as much as I thought, you know, sometimes we think to have the things that we really, truly want, we have to be like millionaires or something. And sometimes it is an extra $500 a month. And when you look at it like that, it's like, okay, well, what can I do in my business to generate an extra $500 a month. And I think we need to wake up and realize, and I think a lot of people have, especially with the pandemic and Zoom and working from home, that we have the technology at our fingertips to like make more money. Like we can do more than just our normal 
nine to five. We can start a side hustle. We can, we could start a whole business. We could just have like a little tiny thing that makes us a little bit of money, like doing something we love. But the point is like, there are so many opportunities that our mothers and our grandmothers didn't have. They just didn't exist that we can now take advantage of so that we can splurge on the things that are meaningful to us. Like you said, you know, so we might think we want the Louis Vuitton bag because, you know, Karen down the street has it, but maybe we really want to take our family on a vacation because we haven't been on vacation in five years, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that is meaningful to us. That's, that's creating a memory, a family memory, you know? So I love what you're saying about that. It's like, it's not that it's bad. It's just that we're not being conscientious of what we're spending the money on. Yeah. And, and that process that you just described is you're prioritizing, right? You, yeah. You're putting together, which again, like it's, I'm not blaming anybody because we're just, especially like working moms and stuff, we're on this treadmill. We just are. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to jump off sometimes. We're just going yeah. through the motions. But when you sit down and you actually think about the priorities that you have or, or what are your priorities and you start to allocate dollars and spend in alignment with those priorities, you start to, it, it, to me, it feels like a massive like relief, like a weight off my shoulders. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Now I don't actually have to go into Target and buy myself mm-hmm. like some, you know, silly top that I didn't really want because I am buying it to get that like almost high in the moment mm-hmm. because I'm not feeling that, that good in other areas as, yeah. as, as a result of me not prioritizing myself. Right. right. I, I struggle with the exact same things. Um, I haven't gotten a haircut in, you know, several months and I really am like, I, I don't know in my head, I tell myself, I can't do that. I can't go take two hours on a Saturday and spend a hundred dollars on a haircut for myself. I need to do to, to, to spend that on stuff for the kids or groceries or whatever it is. But when it comes down to it, I end up spending that on silly stuff anyway that I right. don't even want to do. And yeah. then I feel guilty, like, oh, I should have spent that on on doing something that matters to me. That's it's the same thing. I mean, that's money when you think how how conceptually like spending the money, spending uh, spending money. But money is just a resource. Time is another resource. I that I think women also struggle with, especially moms. Like, God forbid I'm away. I just mentioned it. God forbid I'm away for two hours from my family on a Saturday afternoon. Like they need me in my head. I'm like, they need me, mm-hmm. but do they? And that's where we need to catch ourselves in those moments. Um, and prioritizing all of those you know, needs and desires is really important, especially for moms, because I think moms struggle with being everything to everyone. And therefore we struggle with, you know, overwhelm and burnout very quickly. And a lot of also uh, resentment that comes up. Um, I, 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 I know I myself have been in situations where I see other women getting their pedicures and getting, you know, getting the massage and getting and, and taking that time for themselves. And I get kind of bitter and resentful that, oh, well, you know, that must be nice syndrome. Like mm-hmm. when I can't do that, I'm just not letting myself do that. Right. And I think that's something that we often struggle with as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just love all of this because it really does align so much with the whole manifestation process, right? It's like, get clear on what you want and then prioritize it. Like just that alone, those, those two things that you just talked about can change 
everything for you. You know, I mean, obviously there's more to it and you can go deeper and you can educate yourself and get into investing and all this other stuff. But it's like, at the end of the day, if you don't even know what you want and you're not clear on what you want and you're not prioritizing your money in a way that works for you and your goals, then none of the other steps matter. It's like, you really have to start there. And I think that's where like all of us need to just like slow down, put on the brakes and really think about those two questions and do a little, I don't know, journaling on it, meditate on it, talk with your family about it and and get really clear and step off autopilot and get in the driver's seat and start taking control of, you know, what you want and where, where you want to go. And then, you know, from there, what would you recommend then for the next step? Um, do you recommend women like getting a, a coach or a financial planner or someone to kind of help them navigate the next steps of managing their money and creating wealth? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they certainly can. I don't think they need to. I think the, then the next step is that basic education that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you go to a financial planner or a financial coach, they're going to ask for this stuff anyway, right? So I think it's the next step is really getting an, a, a good understanding of what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, know what your what accounts you have. Know what your and, and how to access this stuff, right? Because some people yeah. don't. Some people just let their spouse or somebody else do it, and they don't even know what's right. what's in there, um, and and what they have. So just get curious. You might have access to an account that you don't even you didn't even know existed, right? So mm-hmm. get curious. Know what you have. Know your numbers, as I like to say. Um, so on the, on the asset and liability side, so from net worth, and then also on the cash flow side, what's coming in and what's going out. I think that is extremely empowering. Um, and then just, I really think start to, um, to start to just pick through some of these stories. I think, you know, journaling is a great, great, great tool because it helps you to have some self-awareness again. Like I said, is this story even mine or is it, or is it somebody else's? um, challenge it, right? Like just does this, when, when you start to feel these feelings of anxiety and and nervousness, fear, anything that kind of puts like a, like an uncomfortable feeling in your stomach, as I like to say, if you kind of have that like gut, like visceral reaction to something, dig into it. Yeah. Um, because those are the clues to bigger things. And until you, um, and nothing's going to change until you kind of address what that underlying core issue is or what's coming up for you there, that underlying core feeling. Yeah. And so I would just, you know, I, I think that it's important to just pay attention again, the whole slowing down, just, just pay attention to the reactions and, and the stories that you said you have around money. And it's not just necessarily money. I mean, I have this story that I'm stupid. I've been like, and I, I really want to dissect it and go into it on a, on a, um, a podcast episode because I'm not the only one, but yep. what's happening is it's, it's as I go through my day, you know, I, as a little kid, I think, you know, my sister was just saying, just said as little kids do, right. To, to, um, feel better about themselves. Like, Oh, you're stupid. Like they don't, they say it like it's nothing, but that one hit me hard. And even as a, a 38 year old professional and mom, now these, that story comes up on a daily basis for me. So it's still a struggle. So I still have to like, whenever, it comes up, I have to stop myself and I have to pause and I have to think, am I really stupid? 
is this something, that, you know, is this true? And, right. is this, and what is, and what else is coming up and, you know, kind of reframe. I think the reframing is a massive, massive step in this process as well. And, and yeah. it, first you have to have the awareness and recognition before you can do that. But, but um, reframing to, you know, saying something else like, no, I'm actually not stupid. Maybe this is a new thing that I'm learning and I am still, I, I still don't know it hundred percent. Or maybe this is just, you know, something that I've never, I've never seen it before and I didn't view it in that way, or it, it could be anything. And I think with that whole process, in order to do that, you also need to have massive amounts of self-compassion. Um, oh, absolutely. Which, again, is a huge struggle for women and mm-hmm. something that doesn't come intuitively to us. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes those stories and those beliefs, like as an adult can sound silly, right? It's like, oh, my sister called me stupid, but to your subconscious, like your subconscious remembers everything perfectly. It's like a catalog of your whole entire life. And at the time as a child, like hearing that it probably really hurt, whether you consciously remember that memory or not, it's like triggering those emotional feelings, those physical feelings of like, you know, like just feeling really, um, depressed or down or hurt or jealous or whatever, whatever came up and they will keep replaying in your adult life. And so sometimes it is like the smallest little memory, like some kid and fourth grade that you barely knew, like said something, but it can be affecting your daily life now as an adult. So going back and revisiting that and seeing where the root of that is, is so crucial. And yeah, like you said, reframing it, bringing awareness to it and reframing it sounds so easy, but don't underestimate the power of it. Right. It's like, it can really change your whole life moving forward. So thank you so much for all this advice and, and tips. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add or anything that we missed that you wanted to make sure that we touched on today? The only thing I just want to add is that, um, you know, my approach to thinking about money and our relationship with money is a very nurturing approach. I think um, I am a recovering perfectionist and I have always viewed the world in black and white, which I feel like translates well into being in the financial industry, right? Being Mm -hmm. a financial professional. It's also a very male dominated industry. Um, And so there's a lot of kind of that black and white, like more, more, um, more um, male energy, I think that comes with the concept around money, but it doesn't have to be. And that's why I'm really trying to, to have this be relatable for women in a very, in a more nurturing approach, because it's not scary when you break it down. What might be scary is those, the underlying fears and the stories that we tell ourselves, those uncomfortable emotions. But when we start to recognize them and dissect them, there, we realize that they're there to protect us and we may not need to even have, they may not even be necessary anymore because you know, once we, once we address them and we sort through them and dissect everything, it might not actually be you know, something that's, that's scary anymore. So, um, you know, that's it. I just wanted to, to just say that you know, for those of you who are afraid of money, please know that it's, it's not something that has to, that, that feeling doesn't have to continue. And, um, and you can have a far more um, nurturing, supportive, um, healthier relationship with it if you just kind of put the effort in. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everyone should listen to your podcast. Money isn't scary because I know you talk about a lot of those different stories and beliefs and things that come up. And where else can everyone find you? Yeah. So um, really, that's the, the podcast. Um, you can find the podcast on pretty much anywhere uh, you listen to your podcast. Um, and I am working on revamping my website, moneyisnscary.com. You can also find me on um, Instagram and um, Facebook as well at Money Isn't Scary. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate all the insight that you gave today and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you guys want more in between these podcast episodes, you can subscribe to my Apple podcast, Manifested It. You can find that in Apple Podcasts and it has all of my bonus interviews, guided visualizations, subliminals, meditations, all that good stuff. Or you can download the Manifest It Now app where I put everything, all of my interviews, tools, everything I've used to manifest a life I don't need a vacation from. You can find that wherever you get your apps in Google Play or the Apple App Store. And you can join the Inner Tribe Manifesting Community, which is inside the app as well. If you want to up-level with a group of women who are there to support you, cheer you on, give you guidance, and up-level your vibe. And if you love this episode, the best thing you can do to support the podcast is share it. Share it with a friend, share it on your Instagram. Make sure to tag me at Law of Attraction Tribe so I can share it back on my story as well. I love connecting with you guys and putting a face to all the listeners out there. So come connect with me over on Instagram and let's start a conversation. Have a great week and I'll see you back here next time.